Collaboradio contains adult language and humor. There will be swears, and listener discretion is advised. With that being said, thank you for listening, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Collaboradio, folks, for Episode 7. We are so glad to have you back. We have a very special episode today. Uh, we've got Dom, known as Riverman, and we've got Milo, known as Sapien Alien. It's going to be a smaller crew of us today, but we're going to go into a nice deep dive on Riverman's new album, Faded Recollections. Welcome, everyone. Hello. 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 Welcome back. Uh, yeah, so, Dom, this came out several weeks ago, I think. We just haven't had a chance to talk about it. Could you talk about a little bit of what this album is about? Yeah. Uh, so basically for the past you know, four years or so, I've been collecting um, 78 records, the old Chalak discs from like the 50s and before. Mm-hmm. And um, I amassed a decent collection of them. And I started um, using them for sampling purposes Basically, I'm, I started sampling these old uh, records and um, I started to make these like ambient sample loops using bits and pieces from these, these old records that I came across. And yeah. um, I'll just put it out there. It's very heavily inspired by The Caretaker. The Caretaker is very much the same kind of thing. He creates ambient sample loops out of um, old 78 records. And I essentially took the same concept and uh, put my own spin on it. Yeah. Um, so we've um, we've talked about it a little bit, being vaporwave, sort of having certain similarities to this sort of niche yeah, thing. Yeah. And one thing I was always curious about, having heard the caretaker, and then how you've done a couple similar releases to that, where you're saying they're loops, but it, it almost sounds like these very seamless, you know, lounge kind of runs where it, it just it just goes and it's almost like you're at some like haunted dance party in the twenties or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like curious, yeah. like you, you cut that up into loops, I guess, but like how how do you like you take like one progression of what the song was? And like how how do you actually manage to like in a sense arrange the tracks because they do sound so seamless you know well i guess it varies from track to track one interesting thing about sampling from all these different types of old music is that you kind of need to come up with your own unique solutions for each track and the problems that it it gives you some of the tracks like um we dance to forget for example Mm -hmm. is very much a kind of like static loop that wasn't that difficult to loop, I guess, because it has a very kind of like bouncy, easy to follow mm-hmm. rhythm to it. Yeah. So it mm-hmm. means that you can cut it on the beat very easily. Yeah. Um, but with some of the others, it was definitely trickier. Uh, like all the, those couple choral moments, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, and some of them are literally just like full not not really cut at all tracks so um i guess all washed up would be an example of that that is literally just a full side of Mm. a a record just kind of like played out with various effects and stuff yeah i actually thought that uh all washed up and uh we danced to forget seemed like uh sort of like sibling tracks sort of continuations of one another and i thought that was really neat yeah, that's that was definitely put in mind. Having We Dance to Forget near the beginning and then all washed up near the end. That was yeah. Awesome. I thought it was cool and I was like, I'll, I'll I bet he planned that. <laughs> <laughs> well again, um the caretaker did a similar thing on An Empty Bliss Beyond This World, his most popular album. The album starts out with these kind mm-hmm. of like bouncy ballroom dance tracks. And then in the middle, it gets kind of dark and weird and mm-hmm. messed up. And then it kind of comes back to the ballroom dance again at the end. And 
Yeah, I definitely borrowed that idea from him. <laughs> nice. It's not quite. It's it's it, there's differences, obviously, but um, yeah, again, that was his idea, I guess, not mine. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I th- well, I mean, it works. It works. I'm cool. I'm, cool. <laughs> I'm glad you did it. So, did we want to go through each of the tracks and then just kind of? I know you've mentioned you've mentioned a couple of these already, but I mean from the beginning and then just kind of working our way through the album. Yeah, yeah. Cool, I mean, cool. there's more just stuff to talk about in the tracks I've mentioned. Anyway, totally. So it's it's fine. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I guess starting from the very beginning on the title track, "Faded Recollections." I I listened to this album again last night, and there there are these pauses and stops in uh, the melody, which are kind of they're, they're a little off-putting in that it's almost like it's almost like you're forgetting what you're saying mid-sentence and then you kind of remember and then you forget it again and it's this album is it's kind of uncanny valley in that it is for me it's calming but it's it's also really off-putting you know <laughs> that's uh, that's interesting uh, praise <laughs> like yeah i don't know how else to describe it like it's it, it is calming but there's like there's a sense of foreboding with it as well it's really it's a really unique blend of emotion yeah so that first track was actually the very last track i made no shit the album i made it literally like 2 weeks before the album came out wow. uh, basically like I started to put the tracks in a certain order and I realized that there was no track on the album that was a very strong opening track. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, so I need to make an opening track now. And fortunately, there was another track that was very similar to All Washed Up in that it was a full kind of like ballroom dance mm-hmm. track with effects on it. And I did, decided... I didn't want to put it on the album because I just felt like it was a kind of like weaker variation of a of this all washed up track. So I didn't bother with it. But when it came to making an intro track, I was like, well, I don't have any more samples to choose from because I've used them all. But there is this one sample here that I've worked with, but I didn't like my initial results with it. So I kind of took it on a much diff- more different approach the second time around where it's uh, instead of just being a full run through it's 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 like a single small section of this uh, track that I sampled and chopped and screwed in a really kind of like bizarre way nice um so there's actually like a couple layers of the same sample going on within it there's the um there's the vocal kind of lines in there that are constantly like cutting out and coming back at various points. Yeah. And I created that literally just by laying the sample out in full and then cutting out the bits I didn't want. So yeah, if any particular um, like lyric in the song kind of like grabbed me and thought, Oh, that would sound cool uh, in this track. I just kind of cut that out and then, left it there and deleted everything else around it so that's why it has this kind of like yeah stop start kind of vibe to it yeah and the the other layer is uh, really kind of weird in that it's um it's not quite it's it's the same sample but i've rearranged it a little bit and i've also uh, applied a noise gate to it a very hard noise gate to it so that the audio only comes through when it's really at a particularly like loud point in the song. So it has this kind of like really kind of like jittery, glitchy, grainy effect. And on top of that as well, I also kind of did some uh, beat swapping to effects to oh, it okay. as well. So it has this kind of like almost just like really just real trippy kind of messed up lo-fi effect thing going on with it yeah it's definitely a neat effect it's very very unique though i mean i mean you shared some of caretaker's work with me before but that aside i don't think i've heard anything quite like this before 
Yeah, that one's definitely one of the more original tracks on the album for sure. I've not quite, I've never quite heard him do something quite like that track. Yeah, I listened to it a little bit earlier today, and um, I was kind of, I, w- I was driving, so I, I guess the different contexts, you know, yields different results. But when it started, I was, I was pretty taken back at how strong it comes out because it's got those effects are very um, effective, um, and <laughs> you know it's there's a power i guess to the way that the samples like this caretaker style is like works on the sort of psyche of the listener yeah um and i i i was really taken back by the fact that um it sounds very reminiscent of this uh this one band that i like uh they're called ko dot and they have this one album called um oh yes yeah yeah i've heard of them coffins on io is this one album and the opening track is uh very good and i i think a lot of it has to do with the the opening which feels very similar to this where it's like i i, I don't know it's it, it it there's this weird lo-fi sort of it's hard to describe because it, it feels sort of textural but it's like um but it's actually producing a a musicality uh, beyond just yeah. like sort of um, an environment, and uh, th- they feel very comparable. Where you like hear it, and then it just immediately gets you going in in just the right way. And I was I was kind of taken back, like realizing like, well, shit, this is like really. It's literally like you're you know like they, if you want to think of the album taking you on a journey, it's like it's just this like this little push that in comparison seems like it's it's really momentous momentous as in like it's it's a good moment but it's also like momentum like pushing you forward but then all of a sudden you're just coasting mm-hmm. i thought it was a really interesting juxtaposition where it, it you know you you start out sort of with the, with a bang um nice and, and then you're coasting very nicely that was definitely the intention like i said uh when i first put the album together and sequenced it I, there was no track that really gave it that nice like just perfect start yeah the the, so the like, opening right, I, I need to i need to make that now that that first that first impression i need to make that first track now and make sure that the album starts so strong instead of just kind of like dropping you straight into it which is what it would, would have been before yeah have it right. have it actually try to reflect appropriately what the what everything else is going to be um yeah and and it's it, it i think it's a real accomplishment considering it's ambient music and it's like i think one of the hardest sort of things you got to do where you know this album is going to be you know um meditative but you have to come out really hooking you know hooking the listener and 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 it's hard to do that when by definition ambience sort of supposed to like lull you into not trying to you know trying to just blend with your environment uh where it's it's not really hooking you mm. like like ambient is the antithesis literally of hooking yeah but you do have to have <laughs> some kind of hook at the beginning you know mm. like I, I guess in any kind of music like obviously you're releasing this to like be considered by people you know you want them to listen to it but you do have to hook them like any kind of music stuff. We are in a sense like fishing for listeners. You got to have kind of hooks to try to get people reeled in. And mm. I think that was like the most subtle, like paradoxical kind of thing, which is right. also making it feel very interesting because, you know, so, so much of the album is like, like Jack said, it's like it's mellow, but like you, you have this funny eeriness to it as well. That really, I think, is like a, a great interplay of like emotions. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, Milo. I guess this is why I'm here. This ambient shit. This is absolutely why we have you here. This is exactly why I wanted Milo in this in yes. this podcast. Put a lot of thought into it. I'm so glad that this worked out um, to have you here again because you have such an incredible insight into these things. So when it comes to we dance to forget, uh. I believe, was this one on your SoundCloud at any point, Dom? Yes, uh, this is one of the, I guess, earlier tracks that I made. I made it back in 2015, I think. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I remember being particularly happy with this one. I think it was the first track I really kind of like nailed the this genre down like properly. And um, I uploaded it to the SoundCloud page, and uh, to my surprise, it was it did quite well. A lot of people liked it, which I thought was interesting because it's kind of a niche thing. Um, but yeah, this track may sound straightforward like it is it is literally just a loop of like a piano solo in a old ballroom jazz song uh i believe it's victor sylvester actually if anyone knows who that is Ooh, i um, don't know who that is but carry on <laughs> he was he was like one of the big ballroom jazz guys of the 30s but never mind yeah, so yeah, it, it is literally just a, a loop that plays over and over again. It's a fairly long loop as well, so I get some mileage out of it. One thing that I learned when doing this stuff is that you can't just loop a sample, pitch it down a couple semitones and slap some reverb on it and expect it to sound good. You need to do other things to it in order to get most out of it. So one production experiment I did, particularly with this track, was um, I created multiple copies of the same sample and layered them on top of each other and I worked within with different EQ bands for each sample and then compressed them and affected them differently from one another. So, and that gave it some real depth then, all that. Yes, definitely. Nice. So, like the the mids, I guess the most straightforward part. And then it's literally just the reverb effect on it. And then there's the low frequencies, which is definitely the most difficult part to work with. And with that, I put mm. a really really tight low pass filter. On it, so you can only hear the bass line on the on the uh, on the low frequency nice. band, and um, no reverb at all on that because I found that when when you do just work with a single layer and you just slap reverb on everything, the bass line sounds like garbage. It really does because mm. it just completely like muddies it up and gives it no like for presence to it at all mm -hmm. and um yeah so there's no reverb on the bass and most importantly i boosted the bass quite significantly so it has a real kind of like boominess to it yeah yeah i, I thought the same thing it was very it was very effective yeah and um because the bass line is like has a very simple rhythm to it it is literally like almost a kick drum kind of like rhythm um <sighs> I used it um, to uh, sidechain compression. Oh. I used it as a, I sidechained it to uh, the high frequencies, which is literally just like the crackle from the record. And I created a kind of subtle sidechain effect where every time the bass comes into the track, the the high end of the track dips a little bit. So it has this, it, it gives us this kind of like weird, uh, almost psychedelic rhythm of effects to it, which I, I, th I thought came out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of going back to the bass line a little bit, there was a couple of times while I was listening to it, I, I had my phone turned off so that I could have an uninterrupted uh, experience while listening to the album. Uh, but there's a part of the bass line that I swear to God sounds exactly like my phone when it vibrates, and that freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wasn't intentional, but... Uh... <laughs> Apparently vibration, like when a phone vibrates, it, it's there's a tone to it. It's, it's B flat, apparently. So no if, shit. if there was a okay. B flat in the, um, in the bass line, it, it, I guess that was it. <laughs> Weird. But yeah, that was that was actually one of the things I wrote down. I was like, "There's a part of the baseline that sounds just like my phone, and it's freaking me out." Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this piece it's it seems like gently nostalgic, and yet it, uh, it it reminded me of like the end of Stanley Kubrick's adaptation of The Shining. Yes, 
I was going to mention that. Yeah, so if, if you don't know, um, the caretaker originally was inspired by The Shining. No oh, shit. Oh, that that makes a lot of okay. sense. Okay, that that's like that's where his name comes from, the caretaker. You've oh, been the caretaker. oh my god! Fu- Everybody watch The Shining by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, I, I gotta watch <laughs> yeah, it again. Fuck. I love so um, okay. yeah, the very last see- shot in that film is that close up of Jack Nicholson in that old photo mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. some like very reverby ballroom jazz playing in the background wow. it's all forgotten now or whatever it is I think it's that song yeah that's that's where he got the idea from originally nice okay that's mine's cool. officially blown <laughs> I, I, I was like I was like I don't know why it's reminding me of this and yeah, now yeah. it's like that all came together wow yeah I wanted to say all those things how like you think about that movie and how there's like, you know, it's considered a great horror classic. And I wanted to say how like a lot of these sounds, it's almost off-putting. Like it's almost difficult to try to listen to willingly because there's such a eeriness to it. And it makes so much sense if, if you compare that to the the feeling of the shining. And then of course the end, I was, I was yeah. going to say he's like, you know, the, the way the shining ends is this weird, like mind fuck of like, thinking why the fuck is jack in a photo of a new year's eve celebration from like the 20s yeah like yeah there's no there's no reasonable explanation and there's a sort of horror to it and a weird eeriness because there's of course the haunting of this you know resort and um and then you you just think like that's the kicker of the movie where you're just sitting there thinking about what the fuck does this freaky 20s ballroom like jazzy cabaret thing have to do with this haunting thing and you they they get meshed together this idea of like this haunting thing and this this old-fashioned kind of like celebratory event and it makes for like the weirdest feeling which is why it works so well and now it makes sense why the caretaker is able to make this very simple you know uh processing of of these sort of things and and make it work maybe yeah. maybe it, that that's a very interesting thought to think like if none of us had like seen the shining like maybe because we've seen the shining that's like the seed that makes us all feel why this sort of approach works mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd be very curious to think like if somebody hadn't ever heard the caretaker and never seen the shining and then was shown say this album and try to make sense of it if if they would have that same kind of mental uh recognition as it were that is an interesting thought yeah if any of you out there still haven't seen the shining maybe just for kicks and giggles try giving this album a listen first and then see the shining and see how see what you think of it yeah hopefully me talking about it didn't like sort of ruin some of the blow that the movie would have well you know well too late yeah (laughs) whatever spoilers yeah but yeah um for uh the next track uh could you tell us a little bit more about uh centuries have passed us by yeah yeah so um one thing that i definitely did differently to the caretaker was i sampled these old um church choir 78s from like the 20s and 30s and um i i I basically i just got a, a hold of like a bunch of them one time and i was like okay cool this is different but how am i going to be able to use these because it's not nearly the same kind of music as victor sylvester and all that mm. kind of stuff so um i just kind of like played them and i was like okay um because there's nothing particularly interesting about them at all it is literally just really old church choir recordings of like popular like christian hymns and things like that and um, I thought you know what let's just record it and do my general effects that I do on these kind of tracks reverb etc to just see what they sound like so I tried it and I listened to it and I thought yeah it sounds cool with the reverb it definitely like adds some depth to it but the actual music itself is very dull it's not that interesting because most people have heard these these old Christian songs before and they're kind of I guess uh, mundane sounding so <laughs> not to 
shit on those songs or anything. No, no, it's 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 true. <laughs> um, they suck. <laughs> it's boring church music. So then I thought, you know what? Let's just let's let's just mess around with it a bit more. And I decided to hit reverse mm. on this particular one that I was working on at the time, and it created a completely different song. Like, I couldn't believe that all I had done was hit the reverse button and this whole other song, which was way better than the song that was forwards, came out of it. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Holy shit. But yeah, this that this this, this track really it, it brought a vivid image to mind of like someone walking into the sanctuary of an abandoned church and just hearing the ethereal echoes of the choir from days long past just still reverberating around the room mm. and yeah that that's definitely the imagery that came to my mind as well it gives you a kind of like uh old world like medieval buildings kind of like dark ghostly mm. kind of vision very cool very cool shall we move on to the next track uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Ooh, a two-parter. Yes. So the reason why these t- next two tracks are, I guess, brother and sister tracks is that they're both from the same artist, the samples. Oh, okay. Um, they're both from one of the old great jazz pianists, Jelly Roll Morton, from the 30s. Link in the description below. <laughs> And um, this is actually, these two actually weren't sampled from 78s. They were sampled from a vinyl compilation of old 78 recordings, which is uh-huh. why they have a slightly different, I guess, like texture to them. They're not, they're, the, uh, the crackle is not quite as um, intensely noisy as some of the other tracks. Mm-hmm. And I think the, uh, the actual, like, music itself is a lot louder and clearer on those and that's the reason why Um, and there's not a whole lot to say about these tracks they are literally just like piano loops hey that's real that's that's valid um yeah this this reminded this reminded me a lot of uh i don't know if either of you have played bioshock before but it reminded me a lot of the the music that you would hear on the radios in the taverns of rapture and Funnily enough, one of my other friends said that to me as well. Oh, so, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's not just me. Cool. But yeah, like I'm picturing like a lone figure at the end of a bar with like the other patrons like keeping their distance from this guy because they know he's he's troubled or what have you. <laughs> um, and then like when part two kicked in, I was like, oh, those drinks have hit him now. His painful memories are slipping away, but so is his grasp on reality. Um, And then, like, I'm thinking, like, suddenly everyone's gone, like, including the barkeep, and he's just trying to, like, remember who he is and how he got here. Hmm. Wow, that's that's an interesting take. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I never quite thought of it that way. I did this, it was a very late night listen, so I was so I was kind of sleepy, but uh, I was just like I had notepad open and I was just writing down these images and thoughts as they came to me with each of the tracks. But yeah, the next track, uh, Gathering, to me, it sort of it, it rode the line between wedding and funeral. And I kept going back and forth on which one it was going to be. And I and it was so it was really unsettling. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually my favorite track. Probably it had a had a very big impact on me. I had a similar um, reaction where it was like this very wide range, like a funeral and a, and a wedding. I think that was a very good way of putting it. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So this is again. This is actually the very first track I made for this album. Holy uh, shit! I made it in 2014. Like. So a long, long time ago. Um, I remember this record that I sampled for this one was one of the very first 78s I ever got, which is, I guess is why it was one of the first I made. And um, it's a bit of, um, I guess, an odd one out in that, um, 
instead of the sample being from the 20s and 30s, it's from the 1950s. Whoa. And it's actually of a fairly well-known song. Not well-known from our like, generation standpoint, but from like, you know, our like, grandparents and stuff. Um, this uh, guy called David Whitfield had a hit single in 1954 with a song called Caramia and it uh, it was a, it's a fairly common 78 or 78s go mm. as well um, but I had this one copy of it and it was actually hideously warped this copy I could like barely play it <laughs> but I managed to get through the entire A side of the record without it fucking up so I was very glad of that but um <laughs> nice um yeah so one interesting thing about this track is if you listen to the original song it's this really kind of like uh, horribly like overly dramatic like opera pop song <laughs> like it's really quite awful to be to be honest um <laughs> the vocals in the track and the strings in the track are really quite nice um but then the hope the the singer comes in and he's got this like really like over the top like opera voice it, it just puts me off the way like you f- you feel like it's like not a you feel like it was an it was a quote unquote opera voice that he just decided to put on for the track no i think i think that's just the way he sang but like oh. um <laughs> It just doesn't suit the instrumentation, in my opinion, at all. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think I think that was a big thing back, sort of, I suppose, 50s. Because, like, pop music had only just sort of started to become a thing. Yeah. Yet people were still very much in that vein of, like, classical training, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like, I guess he wanted to be pop, but he was trained operatically. And mm. it's, it's by the 60s, everybody realized, like, don't don't mix those two things. <laughs> so I guess yeah. we have this unfortunate like patch in the fifties where like people are doing shit like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like obviously it worked because I'm pretty sure it was a number one single when it came out. Yeah. So yeah. Um, like so yeah, the song is pretty terrible. But um, I what I did was I. I recorded the record at 45 instead of 78 RPM, which is what gives it its really like kind of like slow, moody kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the original, it's it's just a completely different sound altogether. It's it's just crazy how how much the changing, just a simple change of uh, the speed on the turntable makes it sound different. Yeah. The vocals are like almost mournful sounding at 45 RPM. Whether whereas at seventy eight in the original speed they're kind of more ethereal I guess and yeah I think the strings in particular sound a lot a lot nicer at forty five rpm they have this kind of like richness to them which Ooh. they don't have in the original and yeah of course on top of that there's uh, reverb to give it some extra depth and um, just like general layering of like the crackle and controlling that a little bit so that nice. it's not too much and not too little you know what i mean i've done i've had to do that with a i've had to do that with a lot of the tracks where i've digitally removed crackle but then applied crackle again to kind of like fill in that sonic gap oh, okay. uh, yeah because some of these some of these old recordings are really like hideously like beat up and uh, almost unplayable because of how the age that they are so right. you, you have to learn some uh, digital audio editing that's pretty intense in order to get the best out of these old these mm-hmm. old recordings. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it still it still held that same aesthetic. Um, so you did a good job with choosing your places for those crackles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, I should point out that at no point the opera voice appears in my version. I deliberately <laughs> cut around it because. Uh, unsurprisingly, it sounds even worse slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so while gathering was like, I couldn't decide whether it was a funeral or a wedding. I feel like, are they in heaven now? Definitely. I was like, yeah, this is a requiem. <laughs> <laughs> Who died? <laughs> was it natural causes? 
And then, like, there were these, like, noises near the end, and I was like, what are those? Are, are those, like, the, the footsteps of, like, the Grim Reaper walking away, having <laughs> done his job? <laughs> wow, you've, you've really put, like, a kind of, like, story into this. I was not <laughs> yeah. expecting this at all. <laughs> it's what happens in my mind. Well, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting to hear. I, I'll definitely <laughs> think differently next time I listen to it. <laughs> Yeah, um, this track, uh, again, it's very similar to Centuries of Passed Us By. In fact, I think it's from the flip side of the same record, if mm. I remember correctly. Yeah, that record was particularly generous, for whatever reason. Because, like, you know, I bought loads of these Church Choir 78s, and the vast majority of them, when I hit reverse on them, they just sounded like crap, as you'd expect. <laughs> but uh, there was the odd one, like this one. Um, where you hit it in reverse and it somehow just comes together for sort of whatever ex- inexplicable reason. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very um, stylistically similar to Centuries of Pastor Five, but musically maybe a little less uh, intense, I guess. Mm. I've used slightly different uh, reverb on that track and uh, a crackle is a, a bit less in your face as well, I think. So, yes, they are very similar, but uh, production-wise, a bit different. Nice. So, well, how how common is that? That I suppose would be reflective of like a sort of mastery of this style, where like you're you're going through each track, and you don't just take like the same sort of blueprint on each one. Like you're 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 doing a different kind of crackle and a different um, style of, of reverb to make sure yeah. that each thing has its own unique colors or whatnot. Yeah, I think part of it is down to the fact that I made these tracks at such a kind of like different points in time. So, you know, there are there are literal years between the makings of some of these tracks. So like, um, you know, I'd make one track and then over time my production style, the ideas my production ideas would change so that would naturally be brought on to the new tracks I'd be making at that time mm-hmm. so that's why gathering sounds a certain way because that was the way I was producing stuff in 2014 and you know Faded Recollections the title track sounds completely different because that's a much more recent one so yeah um, it's interesting because I think because I've made these tracks so wide apart they all kind of naturally have a different aesthetic to them just because of that. Nice. Just because of how my style has progressed. Nice. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense considering you started production, you said in 2014? Yes. Yeah, shit. So four years of just working on this album on and off. I, I mean, I imagine the production and the sound would change from track to track that way. Yeah, but I I think it's still even despite those production differences, it comes together very nicely. It still paints yeah a whole picture. I mean, I had obviously had to go back to these tracks when I was finished making them all to make sure that they weren't incredibly different. You know that mm-hmm. that I mastered them in the same way and I fixed any kind of like past mixing errors right, or right. things like that. You know, so they all got like. At the end of the project, they all got um, a good, thorough um, finishing job. That was all done at the same time, which is why oh, nice. I guess it, it it works that way. Yeah, job well done. Uh, can you tell us a little more about uh, Like Rain? Yes. Um, again, Like Rain was one of the earliest ones. I think that one was also 2014. Nice. And uh, this one is one of the more... Um, intensely edited ones I suppose it's actually an old kind of like a military band like a military brass band record from the 30s interesting Um, yeah so not something you'd expect to get any kind of useful samples out of at all but um, again I played it at 45 RPM and I reversed it so not only is it at a different speed it's also backwards and I buried the kind of like the brass instrumentation under a ton of um, crackle effects. So there's, it's probably 
the most intense track in terms of layering, maybe, just yeah. because of um, how much crackle is going on and things like that. Yeah, holy shit, I would not have guessed Military Brass Band when I heard this. Um, yes, yeah, it's 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 definitely the most heavily edit- edited one. Yeah. Um, it sounds absolutely nothing like the source material at all. Wow, yeah. When I heard this, it felt very premonition-like. It, it's... I wrote, what I wrote down for this one was, it's almost like walking onto the scene of a gruesome murder and finding the killer kneeling in prayer over the bodies of his victims. (laughs) I also wrote down, like, Uncanny Valley, the track. Um, (laughs) Yeah, this one also really messed with with my emotions. I'm like, what am I feeling right now? (laughs) Yeah, um, again, this one was... The one interesting thing that kind of grabbed me about the source material is what is that they had a kind of they had um it's like a church bell in the recording, and um, when you reverse it in particular, I think that part was the part that sounded the most eerie. Just this kind of like reversed church bell oh, sure. ringing in in the track, and yeah, I guess that was the reason why I sampled it and tried to work with it in the first place because I liked the the bell sound. In this sample, hmm. and not necess- but not necessarily the rest of it. And I thought maybe I can kind of cut that church bell out and use it for something. But in the end, it turned out that the the other instrumentation, the brass in- instrumentation, actually turned out quite nice as well. So nice. Yeah. And yeah. it's called it's called like rain for I guess an obvious reason. The the intense crackling it reminded me of like rain. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So about this next track, uh, The Last Will and Testament of Captain Hunter, who is Captain Hunter? Ah, yes. Um, yeah, so this track, the name behind it has a, has a story to it. Um, in the summer, I visited uh, a very small, quaint village in the Peak District called Yulgreave. And um, it's a very nice place. But it has this church, this old like medieval church, right in the middle of it, mm-hmm. and there's a churchyard in there full of these really old graves, um, from like the 1700s and 1800s and things like that. And um, there was this one gravestone that really caught my eye while I was there, but just because of what was written on it. And uh, I've actually found a website that lists all of the um, all the gravestones in this particular churchyard. And I was able to find the inscription on this gravestone on this site, so I'll just read it to you. The grave is for a Sarah Rutherford, who died on the 9th of February 1861, and the grave was erected at the desire of her sixth son, Captain Abram Augustus Hunter of the 23rd Regiment of Ohio Volunteers, as expressed in his last will and testament. It was killed by a bullet through the chest on the 9th of May, 1864, in the hour of victory in the Battle of Cloyd Mountain, Western Virginia, under General Crook, age 35. And I just thought that was such a crazy thing to read on a gravestone in the Peak District. (laughs) It's like some guy who died in America is written on, on a gravestone in this place in the middle of nowhere and yeah I just like for whatever reason I just I just remembered that and uh, when it came to naming this particular track I thought it for some reason it reminds me of like a funeral or um like a graveyard and it's kind of it's very mournful and slow but it has yeah 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 I thought I like when I, when I was listening to it, I I was wondering about like who Cat Hunter was and what kind of life they led. Like were they were they well liked? Were they loathed? And and I was like, are they on their deathbed or are they merely putting their affairs in order in case they meet an early end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, if you read between the lines of that story, it's very very sad. This guy who died in battle in his last will and testament wanted this gravestone for his mum who had died a few years before and yeah um, I just thought it kind of like fit really it's um, the, obviously the track is the title of it is different to the others because it has a, a real world 
context to it of sorts. Yeah. But, um, I just wanted to make a reference to it because I just thought that it was really interesting. Yeah. Kind of fit the, I guess, spooky vibe of it. Absolutely. I'm glad you did that. Um, <laughs> and then... Uh, with sadness yet to pass, I felt like uh, if Captain Hunter wasn't gone in the last track, he uh, he certainly was now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got a real sense of uh, mourning from this one. Yes. So the thing that uh, this track reminded me of very intensely was like ghosts and um, kind of like unseen, sad, mournful like spirits in like a really kind of like old church or stone building or something I don't know why, that was just a very vivid image in my mind when I was making this track It uh, you get the impression that the kind of like this, the vocals in this one which is again is a church choir but for whatever reason this one is texturally quite different to the other two it's much more kind of uh, ethereal I guess yeah, yeah and um yeah, there's just this really, there's just this like crazy, like awful, like sadness to these these vocals. That at least that I hear, particularly when it there's that just that one vocal that comes in to do just like a kind of like solo on her own. I'm presuming it's a woman. That part in particular spoke to me. I honestly think this is one of my favorite tracks on the album, just because of how affecting it was to me personally. Yeah. Uh, and again, that is uh, it's it's a reversed sample. It's uh, it sounded a lot less interesting forwards than it did backwards, which is interesting. Funny how that works. Yeah. The note I wrote for this one was brief, but I said that uh, in addition to the general sense of mourning that I got from this track, uh, the crackles kind of reminded me of tears hitting a tabletop as if someone had just received news of their loved ones passing and they're kind of going through the initial shock and mourning of it all. And then with the next track, uh, From Time to Eternity, it feels like some time has passed, and it feels like someone is kind of visiting the grave of their loved one, perhaps several years after their demise, and it's, it's loving and nostalgic and sad. Uh, fuck, I'm sorry, I should have had you say your thoughts on the track first before I went rambling on. Uh, what were your thoughts? Um, so, this track is by far got the shortest loop on the entire, uh, entire album. And again, I feel like this one in particular mm-hmm. is very caretaker-esque, and that's mainly because I sampled an artist that he himself has sampled many times. Um... What were their names? Uh, oh yeah, there was these two um, African American singers in the late twenties called Leighton and Johnstone, who were one of the first African American groups to become popular with white audiences, which I think is an interesting piece of history. Oh yeah, and they did these kind of like upbeat traditional pop songs. But um, they also kind of have these mournful, like piano ballads as well, and um, they have little like piano openings to their songs. Are perfect for this kind of music. Nice. Uh, and this particular one was a, a loop of the intro of one of their songs. It just has this kind of like sa- again sadness to it. Yeah. The crackle is very intense in this one. Uh, I actually had a bit of trouble trying to tame the crackle in this one because the record was just so dirty and it overpowered the the kind of quiet piano a lot. Mm. But uh, I think in the end it it came out okay. Yeah, I dare say it did. Um, And the title from Time to Eternity is yet again a reference to a gravestone that I saw in this place. I've got it here. John Ely, he was the nephew of the late Major Ely. He experienced that awful change from time to eternity. 27th of July, 1805, age 44. Holy shit. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah. I had to use that from time to eternity. Yeah. What does that mean in the context, though? Uh, I'm presuming it means passing on 
from life to death, eternity being like whatever it is after death, and time mm. being time we're alive. That's at least what I interpreted it as. Yeah. Yeah, all these old gravestones just have these really kind of like creepy, almost like poetic statements on them and things like that. And yeah. It's, it's good for inspiration for like track titles and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, the, like these track titles are, they, they feel very, uh, very good. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, moving on, uh, could you tell us a little bit about I Found Comfort in the Quiet Darkness? Uh, yes. So. Again, this was another um, church choir sample, but they get, this one's treated quite a bit differently to the others. Mm-hmm. I really up the compression on this one, so it's super loud. And the organ in this recording, for whatever reason, is way louder and way closer to whatever they were recording it with than the others. So I was really able to kind of like bass boost the hell out of it and just create this kind of like awesome wall of sound using just this uh, bassy organ and these um, church choir vocals nice uh, again it's um, it's reversed but um, it's it's a much shorter loop than the others and I kind of like I keep the loop compact at first and then I kind of let it run for a little bit and it kind of goes a little crazy and weird at one point but then I bring it back again which uh, I think came out kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I wrote down for this one was that uh, we're back in the abandoned church and our intruder has made friends with the ghosts of the choir. That's what came to mind for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a, uh, a sitcom spinoff or something. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um Moving on, I know we already talked about All Washed Up and how it's like a sibling track to We Dance to Forget, uh, but did you post an excerpt of this on SoundCloud as well? Because it sounds super, super fucking familiar. Um, I didn't, but I did post an earlier version of it on YoungCloud when YoungCloud existed. Oh, R.I.P. YoungCloud. Yes, uh, rip. Um, <laughs> basically, it's from the same kind of old record, uh, these old 30s um, mm-hmm. dance hall tracks and like I said before it is a full uncut recording of uh, one of these tracks but it's been pitched down a little bit and again I've intensely layered it much similarly to We Dance To Forget so nice. the bass is really loud and boomy uh, the mids are really reverby and but what's different is I've used um, one of the layers and I've, I've applied a constantly shifting low pass filter on which is climbing up and down up and down through the mids uh, the mid frequencies every few seconds Ooh. and um, what happens is because I've already got um, a reverbed out mid frequency section in there when the uh, the mids are taken out by the slow pass filter, the reverbed layer underneath it is still there. So you can still hear the mid frequencies, but um, they're a lot wetter and uh, distant sounding. Oh, sure. So And then when the low pass goes back up again and you can hear the mids again, the much more clear, unaffected mm. layer comes through. So you've got this constantly like shifting battle between reverb and this kind of like dry unreverbed layer which is coming back and forth um, at several intervals and I guess the reason why I call it all washed up is because um, the low pass filter on it kind of gives it this weird almost washy filter effect to it Uh, yeah it's a very uh, interesting technique you might have to steal that yeah it's all just part of the like experimentation of this album um, I didn't want to just do the same things for each track because I thought not only would that be boring for people to listen to but it would be boring for me to make as well Word. so yeah I just wanted to have some fun with it and do some really wacky things and um, naturally some of the wacky things you do sound like crap but occasionally um, you do one wacky thing and it works and you just roll with it and that was one instance of that 
Well done. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the closing track, Returning? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'd say this is probably the most simple track mm-hmm. on, on the album. It is uh, a very straightforward piano loop from an old um, Fats Waller song. Nice. Uh, Fats Waller was one of the big jazz pianists and songwriters of the 20s and 30s. He wrote Ain't Misbehaving, which is a pretty famous song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this particular one, um, I liked the piano in it, so uh, I just threw some reverb on it. Again, this is a, a vinyl recording, not a 78 recording, so it sounds a little different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I thought when I first made it, I thought, yeah, it sounds nice, but um, the loop itself doesn't carry the whole track on its own. I need to do something more with it. So halfway through, I reverse it. And again, just the simple reverse of this sample completely changes it and makes it just sound way, way different. And I thought the effect it created was a really nice outro. And I remember remember when I first made the track that it would be a perfect closing track for the album. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, About this track, I I don't know why, because it's by far the happiest sounding track on this album, uh, but it immediately brought me to tears when I was listening to it last night. <laughs> I, I don't know why, uh, but it, it it did that. And I, I even wrote down in my notes, I, I wrote, why am I crying? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't realize my, this album was going to cause so much emotional stress. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, no. Uh, when music moves you, that's always a good thing. I would much rather listen to music that makes me go through things rather than just blah, you know? Yeah, that's definitely what I come. I, I listen to music for. I want to be emotionally affected in some way and feel something from it. I don't necessarily... Well, I mean, obviously, I listen to music to have fun and relax and all that. All well, of course, well, of course. But, uh, <laughs> the, my most my most favorite thing to listen to music for is the emotional side of it. So I guess that naturally comes through on the stuff I make as well. I want to make emotionally affecting music. Well, I uh, dare say you've accomplished that. So well done. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, man. I did have a thing that I felt like was worth mentioning. It was way back in the beginning, though. Um, well, it was about, like, I, I don't know if you'll use this, but I'll at least say what I was thinking, which was, like, you had the thought of, like, how there was, like, the little gaps and how it was sort of eerie, in, in, you know, in the samples. And I, I felt like it was it was interesting and reflecting on uh, the sort of ghostly quality to the um, to the music because, like, I almost wanted to compare it to, like, a very old person whose uh, kind of faculties are slipping. Yes. And um and they sort of like have glitches in their cognitive abilities or something or like their memory yeah. where like they're they're sitting there thinking, you know, and they're having these memories of like their their youth. Yeah. or something. And then all of a sudden their brain just shuts off. Yeah. And then it snaps back on or something and it's like this it's almost horrifying to think like how they're how that the, there can be this this presence of of life, like you're you're feeling the way that this was for this person, and then all of a sudden, just nothing. Yes, for like a split second, and then uh, and then right back into it. Yeah. So it's really funny you should say that, Milo, because uh, when I listened to the album for the first time a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with Dom, and I said that yeah, the album reminded me of someone who has dementia or who's suffered a stroke uh who's just yeah. trying to recall these these distant memories and just kind of just grasping at straws and can't quite can't quite figure it out with full clarity and just wow that was really cool just to hear that same thread of thought coming from someone else you know yeah it's a, it's a, it's a funny thought thinking like we had all these um overlaps having the connections to The Shining. But um, to also have this is like, a, a, I guess, a funny thought of like this music hits on like such a human level and really 
like I've said it a bunch of times to you guys where it's like it hits you right in the feels. Yeah. Like it's it really speaks to just life in general. So like I guess almost anybody could really have the same kind of um thought process when they when they listen to something like this. It it's yeah. it's interesting that you guys brought that up because um that's actually one of the concepts behind the caretaker's music is that it represents the mind of someone with dementia with uh, you know those kinds of uh, problems holy shit uh, and that's some that's actually with his most recent work what he's been going down the most concept wise so he's been putting out these string of albums that are all connected and they're supposed to represent different stages of dementia and they get more and more fucked up as they go along so yeah i think that's just like um it's just something that that uh, naturally comes from this kind of music almost. Um, yeah. I was going to say it's almost a shame because if he's like making a conscious effort to like be reflective of that kind of uh, direction, I, I thought it was like, you'd almost assume he'd be like, well, let me make an album that can like help people with dementia. But then like you said, how he like gets it more fucked up. Like what that would do to somebody mm-hmm. with dementia. Yeah, mm-hmm. like honestly, it is like kill him. The stuff, the this most recent stuff he's been making is just on another level of like terrifying. Like the stuff, like what I'm doing here, he's kind of moved on from that now. And so, like stage one of the this series is very much this kind of style, and then stage two, um, he really starts to kind of like warp the samples in really bizarre and uncomfortable ways. And by like stage four and five, it's like barely music anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I remember, I think it was only about a year ago that I, I had listened to The Caretaker. And it was funny how like the more I, I kept like processing the effects of the music, the more I was like, this is like, this should be a horror soundtrack because it's like, really, he, he's like very good at making it very off-putting. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest things that I, I wanted to say about this album is that it's like there's sad reflective moments, but not in, in such a horrifying way. There's a lot of like humanity in this compared to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's a there's a lot there's a much better, more realistic range of emotions. Yeah. That's the main thing I guess I wanted to do. Because I didn't want to just outright copy the caretaker and just, you know, make an album that sounded exactly like something he would do i wanted to put my own spin on it and make a kind of like broader set of styles and put a broader set of emotions in it that weren't just about like memory loss and things but also encompassed other things like mournfulness and sadness and Mm -hmm. loneliness and all those kinds of things and again i i think i focused more than the caretaker does on trying to make the music um pretty and like i don't want to say beautiful because that sounds a bit uh obnoxious but uh, <laughs> like just <laughs> too late um, we, 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 we we get the point i mean you know it's like sort of joyous i suppose yeah word word all right gents i actually do have to get going in the next couple of minutes but before i do uh dom Congratulations. You have accomplished every single one of those goals that you established earlier for this album. Thank you, man. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because uh, I certainly went on an emotional journey. Uh, but where can people get this album? Oh, uh, they can get it on my Bandcamp page. So rivermanmusic.bandcamp.com. And uh, it's currently the top result because it's my most recent album. Excellent. And of course, we'll have a link for that in the description down below. You can also uh, listen to the full album on my YouTube channel, which is uh, Riverman125. Excellent. And Milo, where can people find your stuff? On, on Google. <laughs> okay, I'll Just find Google a link and put it I in. Don't, I, don't, I don't have the... Uh... The things this happened last time right right right. i don't know my my name things if you just look it up it'll be on one of the standard websites yeah 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 we'll find the link and i'll put it in the description below for sure uh you can find my stuff at soundcloud.com slash jocka or youtube.com slash jocka jabberwock and uh thank you guys so much for coming together for this wonderful deep dive into faded recollections uh, this was an absolutely fantastic discussion and i enjoyed it thoroughly yeah i i really enjoyed this talk Thanks, guys. Yeah, 
This was fun. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to seeing you guys on the next pod. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I am rolling in that outro music. Bye. Bye. Bye.